Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. is here. Jesse Cofield and I are both holding it down here in the DraftKings studios in Boston. And we are festive as all hell in here right now, Look Jesse. Look at this Christmas setup. Have you ever seen so much Christmas in one place? We are feeling very festive, very holiday-oriented here, and we're excited about it. We are. We have Dad nestled over here, hung by the stockings with care, <laughs> in hopes that a guy that actually looks like St. Nicholas will show up on this giant screen next uh. to our Christmas tree in studio. We have a great show for you guys today, in addition to the holiday decor that will be gracing us for the rest of the week here. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating. Check us out here live Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and more. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. You can save 15% or more on your favorite first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. It will also be your favorite. Fun guests coming up today, Andrew Whitworth former NFL offensive tackle, current member of the TNF on Prime crew, going to stop by and help us look ahead to this next weekend in sports. But we also got our good buddy, Charlotte Wilder, the co-host of Oddball of the Mean El Hassan, back for another Wilder Wednesday. Char, how we doing, bud? Doing amazing. I'm so happy to join you in such a festive spirit. And I don't know that we uh, can ever talk enough about the throne that you're sitting in, Mike. Yes. That, that's a Is real, it's, it's a vibe. I'm into it. I wish I had a throne. Is, it, it, it's it's big, it's throne-like, is it comfortable? That's the question. Honestly, it is pretty comfortable, and a weird thing happens around here. So, so coming and becoming a part of DraftKings, you walk into the studio and you're immediately shown this throne in the lobby of the offices here, and it commands all this power, and then you sit down and you don't realize when you sit down in a throne surrounded by holiday stuff, milk and cookies just appear, especially when you're a thick-bearded guy. Yeah. So I think there's just wow. something about the season, it begets that. So I got milk and cookies over here for the entire show here. Life's pretty great. Yeah, you wow. can just eat those as the, you know, it's early in the morning, but, you, you know, you can just dip those in the milk. And I mean, this is like the it's five o'clock somewhere, but Santa's yeah. version where you can always have milk and cookie when you're the claws. So that's kind of the situation that we're in right now, guys. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it, Dad. I can well, see the jealousy on your face right now. 
I, I, I'm just interested in what Jesse said. You can eat the cookies. It's early in the morning. Jesse, there is no minute of the day where a cookie cannot be ingested. I mean, I mean you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's a cereal made of tiny cookies. That is true. Oh. And we it's need to exactly never forget right. that cookie well, crisp out here doing its thing. That's the close-up that I needed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the show here, guys. So maybe if you are all lucky, I will share my milk and cookies as we go along with the show. But before we get to any of the eating, uh, we've got to get to someone who ate on the court last night. There's a segue. John Moran wow. made his return last night and birthed the most insane statistic I have ever seen popped up on an NBA broadcast in my life as John Morant helps hit a game-winning shot at the buzzer to lift the Grizzlies over the New Orleans Pelicans, a battle, by the way, that featured John Morant and Zion Williamson, the two players that were the features at the top of their draft class that were hotly debated for so long that have both enjoyed very tumultuous careers thus far for very different reasons. He gets that win, and Charlotte, the first graphic I see is John Morant scores the most points, 34, in a return after missing 25 straight games in an NBA season. Have you, Charlotte, in your infinite wisdom and great coverage of basketball, figured out who else even qualifies for that list that TNT tried to sell us on? No, because why on earth is that a road that you want to go down? Because you know the stuff that guys probably did to get that? It, 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 right. It's not something that you want to be out here uh, trumpeting. It's also, this is peak This is peak stat graphic where it's like, you know, it, it would be like Charlotte Wilder became the first person to appear on Gojo and Golik with Christmas decorations from the Metal Arc office in a black sweater. It's like the the qualifiers were already a joke, and now it's like, are you kidding me? Just like, just don't. What if you just didn't? What if you didn't turn it into a look how amazing this is? Yeah. Well, to 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 your point in, in this, Charlotte is. 25-game suspensions are normally not the stars of the league where they're going to come back and light one up. Like, I'll say Draymond is a star. Draymond Green's a star in the league, but he's not a player like this. Draymond is probably going to be gone for maybe 25 games, so he'll be the next sampling of this. I don't even think so. And and let's just say he is. My point is he's not coming back and scoring 34. he's, He's not going to be doing that. Uh, that's what I would like to know, Mike, to your point. What's the sample size? What, what are, who are the other players? What, what are we working with? Because in all sports, we have these wacky, you know, on a, on a Tuesday at night on turf or our, on real our grass. Our producer, you Brandon know, Newman, calls them ESPN baseball stats. Since baseball is yeah. the sport yeah. that most lends itself to this with all the different iterations that you can have. And obviously, the folks over at ESPN Stats and Info always did a phenomenal job, and I appreciate yes. them. There you go. Exactly right. But that's what I want to see. I want to see a sampling of of players who have been in that position. So uh, I would imagine if we dig hard enough, we'd find it. But I don't think any of us cares enough to dig far enough to worry about this. Instead, just talk about John Morant's comeback and how this offense had been the worst Charlotte in the entire NBA. He comes back, has a monster game after C.J. McCollum just absolutely bricks a three at the end of the game. He gets the ball and and, and hits the game-winning buzzer and then yells, we'll get to it. I kept receipts afterward. But from the game standpoint, Charlotte, outside of him having to take an inhaler through the game because he got winded a little bit, 
You know, the, the, we know what he is on the court, and we've seen what he is off the court and what's got him into trouble, mm-hmm. but we know what he can do on the court. Well, I think the fact that he came back and was able to do this in his first game back, he he said it himself. He hasn't played basketball for eight months. And right. so I think that, you know, part of the story is how are we framing this and how do we want to talk about it, which is why that graphic and that stat becomes interesting, because it's like how if this guy's the future of the league, one game you know, future of the league. They asked him about that in the court testimony where he was or the hearing for uh, about how he punched a teenager on his own home basketball court. So, you know, but um, if he is to be the future of the league and he said this himself, even in a press conference recently, he was like, it doesn't matter what I say. All that matters is what he doesn't do. We know what he can do. We know what he's capable of. And the fact that he did that in his first game back was you could not have scripted that better. But now it becomes a question of, okay, is he able to keep it together off the court? Because it's often harder to control somebody not doing something than it is being like, hey, this is a generational talent. I miss watching him. I had missed it. He's he, His hang time's insane. Yep. He, like, he takes off yep. from the locker room and makes it to the basket without yep. taking a step. Like, it is a beautiful thing. So I just want that to be able to continue. But, but it's really up to him, and it's not really about something you're going to see in the next game. It's about can they make it to the playoffs, and can he – not be the news story outside of the court. Yeah, I think you saw in this game, too, like all the star stuff that you'd expect. 27 of his 34 points came in the second half. They were kind of trying to manage his minutes at the beginning, and then just things went the way they went in this game. And you're right, Charlotte. He's one of the players. He's so explosive. He's so fast. He's so powerful. He breaks math, right? We talk about angles all the time in sports, and you see angles don't matter. He gets a rebound underneath the basket. It doesn't matter who's around him. He's going to get up there quicker than you'd expect and evade blocks. He's going to get to the rim like he did on that last shot and be able to hang up there and suspend gravity. Everything about Ja, the player that came back, is exactly why we were all so bummed out and upset when all of this was happening in the first place. Because remember, Mm -hmm. going back to this conversation about what got Ja to this point, to your point, Charlotte, about the nature of who else would qualify for a suspension like this, we always go back to, well, why did you miss all these games? It wasn't like a player who missed 25 straight games due to an injury and then came back and was able to do all this. The context of this matters. Ja missed 25 games because of Ja and because of no one else. And so he didn't overcome anything to get back to that point that he didn't create. That's why, Jesse, I was so weirded out last night where we got John Morant sprinting off the court after the game, yelling about receipts. Yeah, definitely kind of awkward to hear him yelling about receipts as he comes off. He was feeling good, though. Here's what he had to say about the game winner postgame. I felt like it was the perfect, you know, ending. Um, perfect day, um, you know, being able to come back and play um, and also deliver, you know, a game winner for us to win the game. Um, I feel like, you know, in this world, a lot of us make mistakes. Um, and I feel like my message, you know, the message they got, you know, from mine is that regardless, you know, if you make a mistake, uh, you just, you know, have another chance to, you know, fix it and, you know, reinvent yourself. And, and like, I, 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 so hearing that right there, that's encouraging that that's John Morant 
Good is answer. Like, yeah, that's that's what you'd hope to hear at this point. And that's what we're all rooting for, right? Like, no one looked at what Ja did and said, this should be the end of his career. And nobody looking at this situation, no. I shouldn't say right. nobody, but the vast majority of people looked at this situation and go, we hope that this stuff that Ja has brought to the forefront, that Ja in so many of the situations involving the firearms, involving the situation with the young man in his house, all things that Ja can easily avoid putting himself in the situation to become a thing. We all hope those become a non-factor going forward because like Charlotte said, we want to see the guy play basketball the worry just becomes when you see the video of him running off the court yelling, I kept receipts, Charlotte, is this notion that everything, and this is the peak sports brain, right, as an athlete, where everything on and off the court, no matter what the source or cause of it was, becomes this source of a chip on your shoulder, becomes this thing that you can use as fuel for on-court production. And it's like the old Saban tool of you use anything at your disposal to create this perception of doubt in your ability when that's never been what this was about with Ja. No, at, at the same time, I think that in the heat of the moment, he, I don't know, I, it, I think that it's hard to talk about this with, a, with, with both accountability and some level of compassion for, for what it's like to be a public figure and to go through, to be so famous, so young and the forces that come with that. And it's hard to hold all of these things in your head at once. And I'm by no means saying that anything Ja did was outside of his control or was um, something that somebody else made him do. I do think that when you are Ja Morant, I would imagine being in that situation where you just hear over and over all the, you know, people like us talking about him and talking about, well, when he comes back, what will it be like? Can he sustain this? Blah, blah, blah. There probably is a part of you that, that gets a little bit callous to that outside uh, noise. And, and he probably carried that with him and, and it came out in that sort of way. And, that's another thing that he's going to have to be careful about, that he's going to have to manage, because those feelings, too, are what he has to be able to compartmentalize mm -hmm. in order to not go down the road of sort of things bubbling up and boiling over again. And, and I think it's a very complex human situation to be in, but I think it's a very straightforward sports basketball situation, which is that he's just got to keep it together. So to your point, Mike, I agree. Players look for anything to have a chip on their shoulder. And if this works for him and it works on the basketball court, great. Charlotte, to your point, I agree. He, he is a guy who is next 24. I'm not going to call him, you know, a kid. He's not. He's, he's an adult. He's a grown man. And, but the thing about it is things he did before he was in the spotlight, he's doing the same things and now it's in the spotlight and it gets treated differently. Right? So he, if he was used to doing some things where nobody cared because he wasn't in the spotlight, all of a sudden, his employers, the NBA, care. And now it's a different story. And now you have to watch yourself. Because remember when he first came back, he never said he regretted what he did, right? I, I don't even think, I don't think there was contrition. And I'm not sitting here saying that's what I need. That's what I need. I don't, I don't care. I, you know, I love him on the basketball court. What he does at his own time is his own time. But... There are rules to follow if you're going to be employed by somebody. 
you know, who we're employed by, who we've been employed by. And there are rules you have to follow. And he has broken those rules and he's gotten suspended for it. So the only person this is on is him. So things he may have been used to doing now are not okay anymore. And he's got nailed for it and he's got suspended for it. So does he learn? He can say whatever he wants. He can keep his receipts. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what he says to motivate himself. I love watching him on the basketball court. I have no idea what he does off the basketball court, but that's up to him now. It, it's, and it's always been up to him, whether he regrets it or not. And like, like a lot of players or people, in not even in sports, sometimes you don't regret your action. You regret you got caught. Right, but so but and, I guess the worry he, with that is, Dad, if he doesn't like the notion of regret here is not tied to I need you to feel remorse. It's how likely is this to happen again becomes the worry. Right. No, I, I agree that that's exactly what I'm saying. So whether he regrets it or not, whether he's keeping receipts or not to help him on the court, great. But this still all boils down to the same thing. You know what your employer doesn't want you to do, or you're going to be off the court. Can you do that? I don't care what you say, and I know you're in front of a microphone, so you have to say something, but like, like most things, it's as old as, you know, old as time. It's about your actions, not your words, and so far your actions haven't been too good that have got you in this position, so what are your actions going forward? And the only one that can control them is him. So but like that's... That, I was just saying, it's the lowest bar to clear, though. Like, that's the one yes. thing I do want to say yes. with Josh. We're just asking you to not flash guns on Instagram. Yeah. That's yes. literally, ba like, the base of what we're asking. And I know he's 24 and he's young and everything. And I know Charlotte made a good point about, like, it's the heat of the moment. And then when he got to the podium afterwards, like, he had a more even-keeled response. But yeah. to Gojo's point, it's like, in that moment, you kind of get a flash of, like, he has this attitude of like, you thought you had me, but here I am. And it's like, he still has this little bit of an attitude where it's like a chip on his shoulder where he felt like it was unfair. And I think that's the issue, right? Is like, have you mentally accepted that you are the only person who was responsible for what happened to you? Yeah, but it, and, well, and this is Charlotte, I think to your point before, like it's, we see and perceive what all of our thoughts are sure. individually on Ja or the people that we have on our timeline or the people we watch on TV. So it's people we like, respect, we curate it for ourselves that say, all right, hey, we're criticizing Ja because we want to see the best of the player. I'm sure there's some people that took it too far. I'm sure there's some people that took it to criticism of basketball or really tried to go at his character, any number of things. And he hears everything as the person who's the subject of all this in the middle of the storm. And so he can pluck from any of those things and treat it all as outside noise attacking me and thus I'm battling back against that when the rest of us don't feel like we've been working against Jaw, we've been wanting to see the best of Jaw, Charlotte. Right, which is why part of talking about this is difficult because it doesn't nothing matters right now. Nothing we yeah. say, nothing Jaw says, nothing his teammates say, nothing Taylor Jenkins yeah. said. Absolutely none of this matters unless Ja Morant does not make the same mistakes he's made in the past. And the only way to know if that happens is to go forward in time, and we can't do that. So it becomes a game-by-game, week-by-week, can he sustain this? What is this looking like? And I think the fact, you know, from a basketball standpoint, the Grizzlies are – are cooked in terms of injuries. Like they don't have Steven Adams. Marcus Smart has been hurt. I could like I could list an endless number of names who've been hurt, and these guys are up against it in a way that 
for Jaw to come back, there's also you you just get a sense of oh my god the the amount of of responsibility from a basketball standpoint that is on this one player is is absolutely enormous. So he has an opportunity here to go out and and prove that he can actually carry a team on his back if they're able to get a winning record out of all this. Um, yeah, but yeah. that's also that's also a lot of pressure. So how does he react under that? And and at the end of the day, we're just not going to know until he continues to not do that. And that's a much harder thing to talk about, or it's not as easy to compartmentalize and understand as like, well, he, you know, a metric that you can, it's not, it's a negative. It's not a positive. It's if he doesn't do something as opposed to if he does. You know, I, I maybe sometimes I'm too simple with this. I love watching him play basketball. What he does off the court is his business. I'm not going to lecture him. You know what? I lectured my you kids when I was growing up. You were my kids. I, I you know, looked over you and gave advice and opinions. John Morant's a grown man. John Morant knows what he can and can't do. If he chooses to, to, to not do it and play basketball, great. I get to watch him on the court. If he chooses to make those mistakes that get him off the court, that's on him. You know what? I just want to watch a guy play basketball. His choice, whether he's on the court or not. Yeah, I, I think we all agree with that. And now he announced his presence back on that court in a way that's going to invite a ton of conversation. Didn't limp back in with 12. He jumped back in with 34. And we're all going to talk about it. Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It looks so festive in here, um, but my heart is full of darkness because <laughs> yesterday Aaron Rodgers indicated that he will not play again this season. So the 21-day practice window closes today if the Jets don't activate him. Means he's going to remain on injured reserve for the final three weeks. And I have had hammered this drum that he was going to come back and play at least one snap of football just to prove a point. Mm. Not because I thought it was a good idea. Mm. Not because I thought it made sense. Mm -hmm. But just because I think he's crazy. And I thought he was going to do it. And it turns out I was wrong because he appeared on the Pat McAfee show and said a return to action would have been 
an absolute no-brainer mm. for a playoff game, but he's just still not feeling 100%. If I was 100% uh, today, um, I'd be definitely pushing to play. Um, but the fact is I'm not. I've been working hard to, uh, to get closer to that, but I'm still you know, 14 weeks uh, tomorrow from my surgery and uh, you know, being medically cleared uh, as 100% uh, healed is just uh, not realistic at, uh, at 14 weeks. Okay, so I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I admit that I'm wrong. But can I just say? Okay, yeah, there was the but. I was can I just butt. say? Yeah. What he said on the Pat McAfee show is like the opposite of what he's been saying in his appearances since he got Jesse. injured. Jesse, I love so much that you think Aaron Rodgers would do something according to logic and what makes sense and proving a point. This guy, this guy is an agent of chaos. He does not care about backing up anything he says. He says things that he then doesn't have to back up. He says things that don't have basis. He says things, he says whatever he says so that people will be talking about him mm -hmm. and so that he will come off as this sort of mysterious aloof, maybe I will, maybe I won't. He drives me insane in that regard. And I didn't ever think, I didn't think for a second, if he came back for a playoff game, okay, sure. He's good. He's going down right after that. Like that is a, that is such a wild thing to do for an Achilles um, that it just, he he says he says whatever he has to say to, he, to be the most incendiary version of himself. He, he, he does, but, and I'll get to the but in a minute. Jesse, Mike and I keep receipts. Yeah. You yeah. yelled at Mike and I. I yelled at Mike and I, I about I this. So what, what Mike and I have not heard yet is, hey, Gojo and Golik, I'm sorry for yelling at you the way I did. Are we going to hear that? I'm not sorry for yelling. That's content. Ah. That's good content. That is showbiz. Wait, okay. that's that showbiz, right, baby. baby. What? You want me to be okay. all meek and, and you know, I, just... I'm, I'm I, apologizing. I all right, I was I was hoping. Yeah, and no, Charlotte, I would say you were hoping you were hoping incorrectly here. Jesse is rightly a student of the take game here, yes. and it's like the fight game when we talk about USC and all that stuff, where you basically get to say anything in front of the microphone, no matter how problematic it is. Yeah. Jesse's allowed to say whatever she wants here, no matter how wrong the take is, and pop wrong. off here because that's the take game. It was wrong. I. There, 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 that's exactly right. And Charlotte, to your point, listen, I agree about Aaron. He loves loves to be the headline, loves to be talked about. But he he always made the secondary thing, and he did say it quite a bit, if we're in contention. He always led with, I want to play, and I think I'll be able to play. And by the way, maybe this new Achilles surgery might be a good new thing as we're getting new Tommy John surgeries and tightrope surgeries for the high ankle sprain because he was doing things we have not seen people do with Achilles injuries. And he always did in a secondary way say, I want to play. I think I can play. The team has to be in it as well. We have to be kind of he, that was. But now that has flipped. That has now become the main headline is, well, I think I can play, but we're not in contention anymore, so I'm not going to play. He just kind of flipped the headline a little bit on him. To your point, as I said, I think you are correct. He does like to say things, be heard, be a headline. But I will say just on his behalf on this one, he has said all along, even though sometimes it was secondary, that 
we do, the Jets do have to be in a playoff run for me to come back. It, it is like, it's like reading the fine print, like when you have to yeah, click, yes. I've read the terms of service on something. <laughs> yes. And we hardly ever read the terms of service because to Charlotte's point, most of the, and, and really I think this is what informed a lot of what Jesse was talking about is the, the actual text of usually his McAfee appearances and really the clips we would all digest from that was, I'm doing something and trying to do something no one's ever done, exactly. pushing it to this way, working yep. back to that point, and then the fine print is, but yeah, we'd have to be in contention. And I'd imagine there was probably a moment, and there were a lot of camera shots of Aaron Rodgers during the Dolphins game from this last weekend. I'd imagine there was some point, as he's watching Zach Wilson's head literally get bounced off the turf <laughs> by the Miami D-line that basically took up residency in the Jets' backfield, where he's like, oh yeah, there ain't no way in hell I'm about to do that for who for what now that we're eliminated from the playoffs. Like at some point, Charlotte's self-preservation takes over, even for a guy who was trying to push back, had to create these circumstances in his brain to try and create that one-track frame of mind to get to a point where this is even a conversation, and then reality snaps back in, and you got to get the hell yeah. out of that. Well, I think my point is that that fine print was doing a lot of heavy lifting, and it's very easy <laughs> to say, well, yes. you look at the Jets, did anybody this season think they were making the playoffs? How convenient for Aaron Rodgers to be like, if we're in exactly. it, I'll play. You're not going to be in it, bud. You are not right. going to. There was that one moment maybe after Mahomes, after uh, Zach Wilson played better than Mahomes that we were like, could it be? And then it was like, absolutely not. And so for, for Rodgers, his team sort of became his own scapegoat. And I think that's just like, that's what he does. And, and it was Everything for him feels like he says things at a convenient time. And so I think that I think that's where it 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 drives me a little bit crazy. Um, but, you oh, know, yeah, he can do that. He, he, he can he can definitely do that. There's no doubt about it, because uh, Mike and I vehemently, vehemently disagreed with Jesse. We never thought even if they were in the playoff picture, I don't think he was coming back. I do not think he would be on the field coming back. And just to think to come back and play next week, they're playing Cleveland. I mean, you think he'd go out on the field with Miles Garrett out there? I mean, it would be. And at one point when he said, I don't think re-injuring it would set me back. What? I mean, are you kidding me? The, the, as I said last week, the best thing the, Giant, the, the Jets can do is just take his helmet and hide his helmet. Do not let him back out on the field and, and save him for next year. So, I, 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 as I said, Charlotte, I agree. He's a headline guy, loves the headline. He loves being the story. And it fit conveniently to have that, I feel good to come back. I'm out here throwing in the pocket. You know, haven't done any 11 on 11 yet, but I'm throwing in the pocket. Oh, we're not going to be in the playoffs. So I could have come back. And it's one of those things. He's not the first or the last to do something where we couldn't prove one, one way or the other, right? It, we couldn't prove whether he could come back or not. None of us believed he could, but it was never in a position where he couldn't. And so we don't know. And that's what he was living on. Yeah, it largely yeah. feels like it was an attention grab. And that's something that we've become accustomed to there. It's interesting to consider this on the same day that we're going to see the John Morant clips and sound bites debated all over the place because we've had two guys that have not been on their field or court for a long time for various reasons. On one side with Aaron Rodgers, we've had overexposure. We've got so much Aaron Rodgers content and statements and appearances that we can sift through and find words to support our argument because he's given everyone words to support their argument along the way. 
that it becomes maddening to talk about much in a different way with Ja. We've got one game back, one sliver of a soundbite, him running off the court, and we're going to try and mine that sliver for every bit of content reaction that we can over the course of a 24-hour news cycle when that's how it works. When in actuality, the more I sat here and thought about it during the break, what a ridiculous thing that I'm going to try and debate Ja's level of contrition based off a sliver of a soundbite there when it's like Charlotte said, it's going to be borne out over time. With Aaron, we've at least seen it borne out over a long period of time where all of this has been given us so we know exactly how he feels and we can see the inconsistencies that have been there along the way. So we get a lot of we get get a lot of not (laughs) we get a lot of non-football talk now on the rest of the appearances on on Pat McAfee show right when Aaron comes on because there's no football to talk about because the Jets aren't going to be in it and he's not coming back so you know, buckle up for, for what the conversations will be like. <laughs> God, God, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. Um, I will say uh, this also probably going to end the Jets football conversation for most of the rest of the year. Yeah. So congratulations to everybody in the New York media. We were able to milk this entire thing for all it was worth. New York business is good for all of us business. And now we finally get to put the Jets to bed for the season. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik and our festive little set uh, that we are just so cozy and enjoying so much. Um, let's talk about C.J. Stroud, okay? He missed Sunday's win over the Titans, remains in concussion protocol, likely to miss his second straight game this coming Sunday against the Browns. So Case Keenum is in line for another start. The year the backup continues. And Charlotte, there's so many stories to choose from here about just, like, backups and, and what we're loving about them right now. Do you have a favorite? Oh. Jesse, I thought you'd never ask. Uh, yeah, you know, it's my my boy Tommy DeVito. Uh, you know, over here in here in the New York Football Giants. Um, he, Tommy, I can't really get enough of this. Which, well, I guess I could get enough of it when um, he did not play well against the Saints. But I just think the whole thing is so fascinating. And I actually had a friend of mine from college, shout out to Alex, messaged me on Instagram because I've done a lot on Tommy DeVito in the last week. And he said, I think that every team 
should have either one week where a hometown grown quarterback has to play uh, quarterback or every team has to have their third string quarterback needs to be from that area. So that you just get like the most stereotypically huh. like, you know, New York or, or New England or, you know, the most Ohio person you've ever seen uh, being the third string backup for Cincinnati. And I actually think that that's one of the better takes I've heard in a long time, because think of the joy that Tommy DeVito and his New Jersey-ness has brought everybody watching him play football in New Jersey. Well, and think about the butts it's put in seats. We had the shots from the Carolina Panthers game against the Falcons this last weekend that made me sadder than anything I'd seen in a while. It was like playing in pandemic-era arenas again for a lot of the guys on the field out there. And for the New York Giants, who aren't that far removed, now they had a three-game win streak as opposed to the direct that the Panthers have mustered up lately, but they've been bad this year. They were a team that made the playoffs last year that had all this hope that went sideways after Daniel Jones got injured. And, Dad, now they at least have something to sell to people who want to come and eat chicken cutlets with Tommy's family in the parking lot. Listen, it's, it's a great story, and... The biggest question, I think, is going to be how long does this story last, right? Where is Tommy DeVito next year? Uh, That's going to be the thing. Joe Flacco might be back on the couch, may want to stay in the league. Who knows? Jake Browning is solidifying himself, you know, as the for sure backup behind Joe Burrow. Gardner Minshew just keeps ensuring himself of having a job until he's 50, uh, for what he's doing in Indianapolis. So DeVito is the, mo- is the biggest story of we didn't know who the hell this kid was, and now look what he's doing. His family has played into it. Now all of a sudden you have a lot of attention on you, and you get a little controversy going on now, the whole Pizzagate thing uh, happening. But, you know, t- to me it's still – DeVito's the great story, but from a team aspect I look for one where a backup is helping a team get to the postseason. So that's not that's not Tommy DeVito. That's not Tyson Bajant, who came in for a little while with his dad, the world arm wrestling champ uh, that he was. Uh, Drew Drew Locke, it's it's hasn't been a whole lot lately. You got Jake Browning is three and one, I believe, as a starter. You got Joe Flacco is two and one as a starter, and and both these teams, while Cincinnati trying uh, to get in, Cincinnati, actually, I'm sorry, they're in in the sixth slot. Cleveland's in the five slot. And they continue to stay there when their backups, in this case in Cleveland, their fourth quarterback. Now they were seven and four before he started, but now they're nine and five. So he's keeping them going to the playoffs. So those stories, Charlotte, to me, are more in the overall scheme, more important and bigger because they're coming in and helping their team either jump up into the playoffs like Browning has for Cincinnati or stay right where they are uh, in the five slot like Cleveland. The Tommy DeVito story, to me, the biggest question is what happens to him next year? Where is he going to be and where does this story go? But we're only going to care so much because right now this is a bit of Stockholm syndrome with all the injured quarterbacks we have where we've got to find something and we're looking so many directions and seeing so many more like C.J. Stroud, two weeks in a row now, being out, the guy who's the likely offensive rookie of the year, sucks. And so what are we doing? We're looking for anything else. We're getting fun stories week to week. It's very college football in a way, the way we're going around and mining this. But this all exists, by the way. And I do want to say, 
This is a quarterback that gets talked about and is such a lightning rod right now because he has ascended so quickly. This is Brock Purdy's America. The reason we're entertaining any of this as, oh, I wonder what this could be, is because last year, this was Brock Purdy. Like, he was not supposed to be this, and then a bunch of injuries all of a sudden netted us a guy who got an opportunity at the helm of a team and went out there and did more with it than anyone could have possibly imagined and now has become not just a full-fledged starter, but a guy that's getting MVP conversation. We can talk about the context of it all of those things matter and are appropriate but this is also I think what's made this year more interesting because whether or not people realize it the reason we're giving credence to any of this I think is because we have a very recent example of someone coming from this kind of situation and having more success than anyone could have possibly predicted Michael, yes, absolutely. Shout out to Brock. You are forgetting, though, a little-known quarterback by the name of Tom Brady, who people forget was taken 199th in the NFL draft in the sixth round. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I had to say that. I'm from Boston. But I I think you're (laughs) exactly right that uh, the fact that Brock did this is why we think, oh, it's like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance? You know, 60% of the time works every time. It's like, okay, well... I, and I think that also Tommy DeVito, he, he won three games. He played he played pretty yeah. well. Sure, he, he he made smart plays under pressure. Like he took the the shorter, easier pass to lead these drives, um, which as a backup is sort of all you can ask for. And and I think that the the details of the story um and the way that it resonated locally as, oh, we know this guy. We've seen this guy. Like, they really literally went down to a local prep school and picked somebody who could throw a football because that's where Tommy DeVito went. So I think that those stories are what's really fun. Yes, I think what happens to him next year is interesting, but I, I do think we need I think we need quarterbacks from local markets who grew up there to be on those teams because I would like to see, you know, someone with a really thick Boston ac- or really thick Maine accent be out there for the Patriots because God knows we need some joy this year. I, I love that thought, Charlotte. I think that is right. great. The, the emergency quarterback being a local person. I think that yeah. is is a really an awesome idea. Quickly, we should put a bow on the, the pizza situation for Tommy DeVito and what we talked about yesterday. He was supposed to have an appearance at a, at a pizzeria and between his agent, uh, Sean Stellato, uh, supposedly it was for 10000 and then his agent asked to double that to 20000 uh, Tommy DeVito said he, he kind of heard about the flap, and he went down to the pizzeria and made good on that. He said, I, you know, I, I need to be down here. And so he kind of he made good on that situation. Uh, and then after that, he actually hired somebody new to handle his marketing. So his agent will handle the agent part, the stilato that, who, you know, who's been getting plenty of airtime and who I, I met in the, the airport in Detroit after the Detroit-Denver uh, game. He will now just be negotiating the contract uh, for Tommy. Tommy has a new marketing person now to handle handle that so the two uh this doesn't happen again but good on Tommy Mike for going down to that pizzeria and not you know because we know the position he's in you know it was nice of him to go make good on something like this yeah I think and everyone who's dealt at some point with representation has also dealt with the idea that at some point like all right there's the business side of it you want to do all that and then at some point you sit up and realize like 
oh, wait a minute, I told this pizza place that I was going to come and sign autographs and hang out, and they were going to give me $10,000, and I'm living at home with my parents, and I wasn't sure I was actually <laughs> going to be in this position <laughs> ever, and $10,000 to go hang out at a pizza place is awesome, I probably need to take $10,000 and go hang out at the pizza place for a little bit while, and that becomes kind of an easy out with that. So I, I'm glad Cooler Heads prevailed, and yeah, I mean, for the Sean Stilato part, for people that want to make anything out of the agent, there's a lot of guys that have a different marketing agent and a different actual yes, football agent. Absolutely. Yeah, look, it's not like they're he just saw a window closing, guys. He said, I don't ah. know how long this is going to last. I got to make as yeah. much money for my boys as yeah. I can. Which That's is it. his job, by the way. Yes. Every agent's yes, job is. is to make their client yes. as much money as humanly possible and to have the tough conversations. It's their own yep. version of good cop, bad cop. And Sean Stilato right. had to go in and be the bad cop here. And so now what happens on the other side? We get the redemption tour. Makes you wonder, was this the plan all along? Sean Stilato has to go in and ruffle some feathers. Tommy DeVito gets to come in and be the hero now. By the way, don't believe Tommy DeVito tweets you see from weird blue check accounts that aren't real. preface this by saying I am having a great time in Boston here at the studio at DraftKings. Everyone here is lovely. It's so great to see everyone that we work with every day in person. But I want to kick someone's ass right now because you guys are sabotaging me, my goals for my body in the new year, and overall my like sense of self because I've got cookie dust in my throat right now. <clears throat> And I'm dying because right before this, we thought, oh, it's so fun. It's a Christmas theme. Mike kind of looks like Santa sitting in this big chair. Why don't we get him a glass of cook a glass of milk and a bunch of cookies here on the plate? That'll be a fun prop to have there. Forgetting that the cookies are edible and I'm a reformed fat. And yeah. so what happens is during every segment, I sit here trying to munch on cookies. And then we get to break and I'm munching on more cookies. And now I can barely talk, Jesse, because I have so many cookies in my throat. Please help. Yeah. Uh <laughs> So, so we had a what? full plate of cookies right there, oh and we had some milk, and it looks like we're going to need a refill on the milk at least. I got water. Oh, he's got water. Okay, we're okay. Um, how, how can you blame anybody else? How can you sit there and blame? Are they are they forcing them down oh, no. your throat? No, senior, I get it. Like, I can't have cereal in my house because Same. I'll just eat an entire, like, family size box of cereal. So I just, I can't have it in my house. So I get it. The cookies are right there. Okay? They're right next to him and he has no self-control. I'm just saying, I, I fully I, admit it. Yeah. I have impulse control issues. I have no self-control when it comes to things like this. My body's addicted to sugar. I kind of blame you for that, to be honest. There's, you know, things we well, can talk about Was that story about having monkey bread every morning before school? Oh, man, was that good monkey bread. Yeah. My mom yeah. used to make us monkey bread every morning, yeah. which is basically just I, like Maple syrup covered French toast in a giant yeah. ball. I mean, that you just I want it. I want it's that. I, I, I have to say, since Jesse, since you mentioned you, you can't do that with cereal, I have to throw my daughter in law, Jenny, under the bus. How, how terroristic is this, Charlotte? She, Lucky Charms, she reaches in the Lucky Charms and eats all the marshmallows. Oh, no. And then puts the box back. So basically, you just, you don't have the true Lucky Charms. She just, she eats all the marshmallows out of them and puts the regular cereal back. That's horrible. Look, you got you got to look out for yourself in this like in this life, senior. <laughs> you, I, as somebody who has, oh no. I mean, seriously. You know what? At least the milk is doing my body good. I don't know where we're at in the scientific advancement of the medical mu uh, community, community's view of milk, Charlotte. But I'm still like operating milk. on dated <laughs> software that's like, oh, milk is good. Bones, me drink. 
That's because our generation I've been, I've been on, yeah, yeah. got fed that. We're, like, Do you remember being force-fed a tall glass of milk every night with your dinner? Because I do. I chose it. I actually, I had real fears as a child that I, when I was too little to be able to like pour the milk, I, I remember like crying to my mom, like, how am I going to have kids someday if I can't pour milk? And she was like, I think you'll, <laughs> I think you'll grow it's up because and be big able to do milk, it. big milk was telling us that our bones were just going to snap. Charlotte, like, how old were you when you said that? Yeah. <laughs> Probably like four or five. You I were that concerned, memory. very concerned about your future children. At, at you age really four. were. Listen, I've been worrying about everything you could possibly worry about since I was old enough to be sentient. So um, <laughs> sh- shout out to my Respect brain anxiety. for that one. Nice. Oh, my God. Well, wow. All right, so we've got we've had a lot of anxiety here. I almost just spilled milk all over the studio. It's a lot going on in here. <laughs> so instead, I want to celebrate somebody else who, instead of having impulse control issues surrounding cookies in the morning, went out there and controlled what they could control and hung a banner because of it. Charlotte, we got to see the in-season tournament banner go up for the Lakers. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw the actual banner, I made fun of it a lot. Looked up at it. Pretty cool banner. They did a good job with that one. I'm actually be proud to have that hanging in the rafters, even though it now crypto then staples has way more history and way more accolades that they should be celebrating in there. It actually was a pretty cool looking banner. Yeah, it looks like something from medieval times, which I'm always into. Um, I also do think, though, that, sure, we can make fun of this, but at the end of the day, and I feel like I've said this on here before, the in-season tournament is something that the NBA wants us to take seriously, that I think they proved is worthy of being taken seriously, and that provides a stage that we can have people break through on. And the fact that we are... So blessed to still be watching LeBron James play dominant basketball in his 21st season. That banner, I think, does end up meaning a little bit more. And so I think it's great to put it up. I also think they said that they were going to do, you know, if they win again or when they win, when LeBron wins it again in 20 years, um, they'll put just the year date. They won't hang a new banner every time. But you know what? I love the in-season tournament. I want everybody to get into this. So hang the banner. It'll basically look like the, the banners in high school. They don't give you another banner. They just put another year yep. on the same yep. banner. That's Conference what they would champions, do. Conference champions, 2018, yeah. Char- 2019. Charlotte, I agree a thousand percent with what you said. I am one of those converts that started out like, what the hell are we doing to, mm-hmm. wow, this is cool. I am enjoying this. And I was glued to the TV, especially in the semis and the finals of this. Um, but let me ask you this question. Truthfully answer it. If the league didn't want or make them put up a banner, would they have put up a banner? I feel like maybe I feel like LeBron could have been like, hey, this is something that the league wants us to care about. We should do it. I don't know what went on behind the scenes there, Um, but I, I could see a team actually wanting to to put that up. I don't know. I, I do like that it is situated and you see on it, it just says champions in big bold letters yeah. Yeah. and the in-season tournament is really small. It's like when Penn State put out that graphic that said a Penn State player has played in every Super Bowl ever except for the years, you know, blank, 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 and blank. Yeah. 
That's what they're trying to do here. And Dad, uh, yeah, I don't know if they would have put it up or not. Part of me thinks, like Charlotte mentioned, this could actually be a great plot twist for LeBron James, who's always been the master of when things aren't going right for him on the basketball court, deflecting to other things, right? Um, it's bigger than basketball. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a leader in my community. I'm an in-season tournament champion. And so even if the <laughs> actual NBA title eludes the Lakers at this point, LeBron James, maybe he just makes his late career living into his 40s by winning in-season tournaments and then petering off after that. When you think about it, it's at the perfect time for him. He's never going to be healthier or more well-rested than he is at the beginning of the season. It's at the end of the year where being almost 40 years old hurts him. Charlotte, does this go into the after the comma, LeBron James comma, X amount of championships, X amount of, you know, uh, all NBA teams, all everything, all the things, all the accolades, does in-season tournament champion go on that list? Listen, as LeBron himself said, Records can be broken, but you can only ever be the first to do something once. So inaugural in-season tournament champion, absolutely. I, I it's already on his Wikipedia page. I just looked. Have, yeah. It's under the career highlights and awards. NBA in-season tournament champion and NBA in-season tournament MVP. So it has there made, it is right wow. below two, uh, four-time NBA most valuable player. So that's how high up on the list this has gone. <laughs> I think they should have had a parade, but, you know. <laughs> you Holy would. Gravy. You would. From, Sorry, yeah, I like from it Boston, that time. Yeah, from Boston, from you Boston. get a parade every other year. So I, I bet, you know, you'd like a parade, right? Yeah, Los Angeles will lend you the duck boats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the year we finally get a matchup in the in-season tournament of the Lakers and the Celtics, which we in theory could have had this year. Yeah. But watching yeah. the way the NBA tries to sell that as if it's akin to like bird and magic meeting in the finals for all those years is going to really be the height of professional basketball. I mean, gosh, the Celtics. I they're so good, and then they go and do things like lose to the Warriors, and and Tatum and Brown just fall apart again. I don't know. They they give me heartburn. Even I, I'm almost more worried because they're so good. So Christmas Day, where the Celtics and the Lakers face off, maybe maybe that'll be the the start of the new branding that they're so hoping works. Listen, I, I know the 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 headline was John Moran he hits the game winner, but. You just said it. That Celtics-Golden State game, what a game that was. Holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, Steph, after breaking his streak since, what was it, 2018 of hitting a three, it was just bombing threes uh, <laughs> in this one and, and hits a winner as well. I mean, that was, that was a hell of a game, you know, that, that, that Steph said, hey, maybe this can start to turn our season around. We'll I, see. I, mean, I can't imagine the sadness of being the team that knows they've got to play Steph after that streak comes to an end. Yeah. We're like, oh, my God, he's just going to shoot the lights out of the gym now. <laughs> You know it's coming. Charlotte Wilder shot the lights out of the gym today the way she always does on a Wilder Wednesday. Everybody, make sure you check out Oddball every day but Monday with Charlotte Wilder and Mino Hassan, giving you all the coverage of the NBA that you could possibly ask for. Charlotte, thanks so much, bud. Thank you, guys.